This morning we'll be on Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 1. One day as Jesus was standing by the lake, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats. He left, uh, left there by the fishermen who were uh, washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, one belonging to Simon, and he asked to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked all hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught a large number of fish that uh, they they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled um, their partners on the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, "Go away from me, Lord! I am a sinful man." For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. So they pulled up their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. And if you would skip with, down a little bit with me. Uh, skip down to Luke chapter 5, verse 27 through 32. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up and left everything and followed him. Then Levi had a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as we briefly apply it this morning. Lord, I pray that you would give me the words to say. And when it's time to be quiet, you let me be quiet. I pray this in your wonderful name. Amen. You may be seated. So kind of, kind of the background there, uh, just kind of a short run through the story again. Uh, the background here is that Peter, James, and John, they were fishing on the lake. Now this lake here, your, your Bible probably says the name of the lake, but I can't pronounce it without sounding crazy. So uh, the, the, the lake there, uh, it's not the Sea of Galilee. Uh, so, so notice that it's a different from the Sea of Galilee. Uh, the, the lake that they were fishing on. Uh, and they had been out there all night long, and they had not caught any fish. Now, I don't know about you, but every time we hear about the disciples fishing, it seems like they always have the same problem when they're fishing. And you would think these are supposed to be professional fishermen, and it would almost seem that without Jesus, they never catch a fish. Remember after Jesus had, had um, died on the cross and he, he uh, reappeared to them 
And they were kind of depressed, and so they went back and they went fishing because that's what they knew. And they didn't catch any fish. Terrible fishermen. Let's be honest. They were terrible fishermen. Never caught any fish. And, and so here they are. They're out there, and they, they haven't caught any fish, and they've been out there for hours, and they'd worked hard, and they had lugged those, uh, those nets up, and, and they had scrubbed them off, and they had thrown them back on the other side. And, and it was possible that, that every so often they would get a rock or they would get uh, some, some uh, uh, algae or some, some kind of vegetation in their... In their um, in their in their net and and uh, they'd have to pull that out and they'd have to clean it up and then they would cast out another side of the boat and they they kept they would do that in, in, in hopes of, of getting fish and but they had not done that and they had they had been working all night long to catch the fish and here's Jesus who is um, we're told it's his first day preaching. And he gets out there and he's preaching near the shore of the lake. And he tells them to cast their nets out just a little bit deeper. Now here's Jesus, who's not a fisherman, telling the fishermen, hey, go out there to deeper water. You'd almost think that that's a little bit common sense in a way. That why are they not out there in the deeper water in the first place? But but here they are. They go out there and they cast out the nets and 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 were told that as soon as they had cast it out, their nets became so overwhelmed that they called their partners over to help. Their their uh, Peter called his partners over to help him because they needed two boats to carry the load that they had. Think about all those fish that would have been used to carry two boats to carry all those fish. Think about all that. Kind of the side note to that is that sometimes in our life, we need to bring others along to help carry the load. That, that sometimes... In, in the pursuit of fishing, we try to do it by ourselves. We just can't carry it. So Peter here, he, he, does something, he does something very interesting. The message says this. It says, Master, leave. I cannot handle your holiness. Think about that. I can't handle your presence. I'm overwhelmed at what you've done here. I'm overwhelmed at, at, at everything. I've been working all night and, and, I, and I didn't know how I was going to make ends meet. and Because this was his livelihood. I didn't know how this was all going to work out. It was just going to be a big waste. And, and, and Lord, I, here you are and you tell me to do this. And, and it's an overabundance of blessing. And, and, and here you are. And I'm a sinful man, and, and I can't be in your presence. The response is, do not be afraid. I will make you fishers of men. And let's be honest, Peter was a lot better as a fisher of men than he was a fisher of fish. <laughs> Acts um, 4, Acts 3 and 4. 
Peter goes and he preaches his sermon. One of his first sermons there. He gets up and preaches his sermon. 3,000 were added to their number that day. How exciting. It was Jesus who did, who did that. And so, and then we have, we have Levi, who is Matthew. That's his name, Matthew. Um, he's the tax collector, and he's at his tax collection booth. And, and know this, is that Matthew would not have been the most liked individual in the community. As many of you know, I've dealt with the IRS myself over the last year. I'm still waiting on a refund from a year ago. I can't get anybody to answer the phone, and everybody that does has no clue what they're talking about. I imagine that people felt the same way about Matthew. That every time he showed up, he was asking for money. And, and he had this reputation that, that not only was he asking for money, uh, not only could he throw you in jail, did he have the authority to, to go and uh, petition against you to throw you in jail, but he, he was uh, kind of doctoring up the book, so to say, so if you owed 10, he would say you owed 20. And he would take the extra 10 and put it in his pocket and pocket it. That's how tax collectors made their money. And so for Matthew, every time someone looked at him, every time they despised him, they thought there is the crooked tax collector. And not only that, if you were a Jewish person, which Matthew was, uh, and you were a tax collector, you were seen as almost working for the enemy in a way. You, you, were, you were helping support those Roman occupiers, and, and you know what? You're just scum, is, is, is basically what, what they thought of that. And we find that when Jesus comes to Levi, he comes to him and he says, Levi, follow me. And he leaves everything behind. Several observations this morning is this, is that following Jesus requires us to be obedient and trusting. Following Jesus requires us to be obedient and trusting. Uh, Peter, James, and John, uh, this was not their profession. or They, they had this profession, and, and they had no other way to make money. And, and uh, uh, here they are. They, they, uh, I just imagine in a way when Jesus th says, throw the net out on the other side of the boat, I imagine some of them in the background are going, listen here, preacher, we're the fishermen. We'll, we'll tell you how to do the fishing. You do the preaching, we'll do the fishing. I, I, imagine, I imagine them kind of thinking that in a way, like, who does he think he is? We've been out there. We know what we're doing, and, and, and uh, why would it make a bit of difference? The fish on this side of the boat, can't they go underneath the boat to, to, to the other side of the boat? If we put the bait out on this side, if they're hungry enough, they'll just swim right under. We got this, Jesus. We know what we're doing here. But, but what, what Peter had to do here is he had to uh, trust Jesus and he had to be obedient. Um, he, he didn't know if it was going to work. He didn't know what was going to happen. But, but he, um, and I imagine that Peter may have had a little bit of doubt going into it. All right, if you say so. If you say so, I'll do it. 
Their nets were full because they listened to Jesus, because they were obedient. But in that process of being obedient, they learned how to trust Him. We have to realize uh, that, that following Jesus means that He's the leader in our lives. Do you ever remember as a, as a kid uh, playing the game or follow the leader? Or maybe you uh, in Sunday school class or something and you were trying to burn some time and got done with the lesson too early and tried to burn some time. I know how that works. Um, and, and so, and so you, you play follow the leader and, and the person that was in charge would do all these zigzagging through and you had to mimic exactly what the leader was doing. Remember that? Follow the leader. When, when we... When we, uh, the leader here, Jesus, we have to realize that He is the leader in our lives, and we have to surrender control to Him. Uh, we have to, we have to say, okay, when we follow you, you're the leader, Jesus. We're the followers. We're going to obey you. We're going to trust you. And what you do, we will mimic what you do, and what you say to do, we'll do it. And how you do it, we'll do that. And and Lord, uh, uh, we will surrender the control to you altogether. You can have it, and we're we're just going to be followers. And we have to hand over the unknown bundle. We don't know what you're going to do in the future, Lord. We don't know that, that when we get ahead up here in life, uh, if uh, we're going to take a right turn or a left turn. But Lord, we're going to surrender that control over to you because we don't know. It's the unknown. And Lord, whatever happens, you have control of that. You, you, uh, we will trust you and we will obey you no matter what. Here's, here's the surrender of the control here. And we have to realize that when we say that Jesus is... Uh, the leader in our lives that we follow him and it requires obeying and trusting we have to realize that that we we have to say Jesus it's your way all the way that we don't get halfway down the road and we say you know what you've done good from here we're going to take on over no it's Jesus who's the leader all the way. It's your way all the way, Jesus. It's not a co-leader position. We have to realize that. That it's not us equal with Jesus leading the way. It's Jesus in the front. He's the leader. and We're going to go with Him. It's not shared responsibility. It's not Him and me type of thing. It's Jesus. It's your way all the way. It's... Jesus, where you, where you go, I'll go. And where you stay, I'll stay. And when you move, I'll move. And, and what you want me to give up, I'll give up. And, and who you want me to be, I'll be. You know, following Jesus, it requires obedience. And it requires trust. We sing the song, Trust and obey, for there's no other way. To be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Followers of Jesus have to trust and obey. Following Jesus requires us to leave some things behind. Our, our second observation. Uh, take a look at this. Take, take a look at verse 11 here. F uh, chapter 5, verse 11. It says, so they, they pulled their boats up on shore, and they left everything, and they followed him. Uh, so, so this is what they did. They pulled their boats up on shore. They, they left, and they followed him. They, they left their boats behind. Th this is what was going to make them their money. Unless they wanted to be out there with nets on the shore casting in, trying to get the minnows. If they, wanted, if they wanted to catch the big fish, if they wanted to make the big money, uh, they needed their boat. 
It was precious. It was important. It made them their money. And they, um, this is what they knew best. They knew all about the boat. And here's another thing. Boats are not usually run up on shore. If anything, they're tied down and staked down in the shallow water. They're almost never run ashore. What does that let us know? Is that when the disciples left everything behind, they weren't planning on coming back for those boats for a while. They were planning on following Jesus no matter what. They left everything they had behind. Take a look at verse 28. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Now, in my mind, I always think this. Did, did he have like the cash drawer there at the, at the tax collector booth? And when Jesus said, follow me, did he, did he leave all the cash behind too and go? I'm pretty sure that's probably not how that worked, but... In my mind, that's what I picture. When he left everything behind, everybody that was waiting in line to pay their taxes, all the, all the, the money that he could have made that day, his status, um, his livelihood, um, what was going to make him wealthy. And, and for, for Levi, for Matthew, being a tax collector was his identity. It was who he was. It was how people identified him. Matthew, the tax collector. See, when, when Matthew became a follower of Jesus, his identity changed. He became Matthew, the disciple. Matthew, a follower of Jesus. Matthew, an apostle Later on, he would become Matthew, missionary to India. Matthew, follower of Jesus. So for Matthew, he leaves behind who he thought he was. He leaves behind his status. He leaves behind his, his wealth. He leaves behind the tax booth. And, and you know, for us, we have to realize that when we follow Jesus, sometimes we have to leave some things behind in our pursuit for Jesus. Uh, sometimes we have to leave actions and habits behind when we follow Jesus. Um, uh, that swearing, occult practices, sexual immorality, violence, hatred, and, uh, intoxicating substances... Sometimes in life, uh, when we follow Jesus, we have to leave behind some places. Uh, places that do not welcome Jesus or the gospel. Matthew ten fourteen says, If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, uh, leave that home or town and shake off the dust from your feet. I remember one time we were leaving an assignment. And it was a rough assignment. D.S. came up to me and he said, well, I'm surprised you stay there that long. That's very comforting. Um, that's happened more than once. Hmm. And so uh, uh, maybe there's a trend there. Uh, so here's here's uh, here I am leaving, and this lady comes up to me and she says, "I know that you want to shake the dust off of your feet when you leave this town, but no." 
that God has used you to do his work. I think it's careful that we I think it's important that we be careful to identify places that are hard places and places that are places that that dismiss the gospel. It can look very much the same. But there are times when we have to leave behind places and shake our feet the dust away and say, I've got to leave you behind. My grandmother for years play, prayed. And she, she said, she said, I'd talk to her on the phone and she would say, Brandon, I've been praying for you to come home. I've been praying for you to come home. I've been praying for you to move there. I back, back to the place and you can pastor church over here. And, and uh, 13 years later, she was still praying. I'm still praying that the Lord will bring you home. I'm praying. My response was, well, I'm praying against what you're praying for. <laughs> On her deathbed, she was in the hospital, hooked up to a machine, and she said, I'm praying that the Lord will bring you home. Sometimes we have to leave places that we love behind in our pursuit of following Jesus. We have to leave places that promote evil behind. Uh, um, when, we, when we start following Jesus, we have to leave the bar behind, the clubs behind, the, the, uh, the people who went to the, to the uh, 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 movie gallery uh, would, would understand this, the video rental. Sometimes we have to leave the, the velvet curtain behind. Amen? In our pursuit of following Jesus, we have to, we have to leave things behind. We have to leave uh, people behind at times. People that promote evil. People who may uh, be an influence that will drag us back into sin. People that uh, are sometimes uh, going to hold us down spiritually. We have to leave them behind. We have to leave behind the things of false hope. Money, careers relationships, idols that we've made. And sometimes it's dreams that we have. We have to leave some things behind sometimes in our pursuit of following Jesus. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Follow me. And I will make you fishers of men. And they left everything behind. Our third observation is this, is that following Jesus will take you to places that sometimes make you uncomfortable. Uh, Luke 5, 29-32, Then Levi, he held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belong to their sect complain uh, to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but it's the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. Sometimes... Jesus will t following Jesus will take you to places that make you uncomfortable, and sometimes that means that you have to have dirty hands. 
As a kid, I didn't like dirty hands. I'd get mud on my hands, and, and it was the grit. I had the sensory thing with the grit, just kind of, it got right there in between you, your fingers, and it just get all crusty, and I didn't like that. I didn't like that at all. I don't like sand today. You get sand on you, and that sand never comes off. Um, and, and you get dirty hands, and sometimes what Jesus has called us to do may be uncomfortable. We may have to get our hands dirty. We may have to get into uh, some situations that, that um, um, we come out of, and, and we're like, I need a spiritual bath because I've just dealt with some stuff. I've rubbed shoulders with some people. Dirty hands. Uh, sometimes uh, we we encounter smelly people in life. Now, I used to work at Walmart. I know what smelly people smell like. We had this one guy come in one time, and they told me, they said, your job tonight is to follow him around the store, and you could smell him two aisles over. And my job was to go around every aisle with a can of industrial air freshener. He would walk down an aisle, and I would... right behind him. Sometimes, in following Jesus, we'll encounter the stench of sin in people's lives, and it'll be uncomfortable. Sometimes... Following Jesus will take you to a place that makes you uncomfortable and you'll have hurt knees. And that means this. It means that, that sometimes you'll be in prayer and that prayer is long-suffering. That prayer, that, that time of prayer will be over and over and over again. It's, it's interceding on behalf of other people. And sometimes it's uncomfortable Sometimes it's uncomfortable to identify that people that we love may not make it to heaven unless something happens. Following Jesus will take you to places that make you uncomfortable and sometimes that leads to busted lips. And that means this, is that proclaiming the gospel in a world that does not like the gospel can sometimes lead to situations where you're confronted with people who are violent, people that are resistant, people that are downright rude, and it can make you uncomfortable. John Wesley, he had this prayer one time. He said, he said Lord, I've, I've gone around for about two weeks now and nobody's thrown a brick at me. Am I doing something wrong? And in his journal, he writes, it was around about that time that somebody came around in a carriage and threw a brick at me. When you preach the gospel to people that, that don't want to hear it, sometimes it'll lead to metaphorically busted lips. Hopefully not physically, but metaphorically busted lips. It can be uncomfortable Trust and obey because there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men.
I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance.